Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. AEW successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. Thank you so very much for stopping by the channel again today. I got a little bit of extra for you. It is Sunday, January 16th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and this is Off the Scripts. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. If you guys want more, OTS. Make sure you guys go check the homepage. Everything you need this week, and there is a ton of it right there on the homepage. And today, man, let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS Extra. Now, Jesse, what, what do you want, bro? What, what do you want? What are you shilling me today, man? What type of demands on my show are you going to be Shilling me today. Yes, I know Thunder Rose is going to kick your ass, bro. Don't worry about it. And your tacos suck. What? 
All in? I was at All In. I think you were too. Weren't you there? Yeah, I think so. Uh, what about it? This guy's going to be covering All In. This guy is going back in time. I wish he'd stay there. He's going to be covering All In apparently tonight, right? Tonight on YouTube. All right. So, listen, he wants to relay this message to me, and then I have to relay it to you. Uh, listen, his taco sucked. Thunder Rose is going to give him a fucking spike pile driver when she sees him and then throw his tacos on him and embarrass him. Hopefully it goes viral. And he's covering all in tonight on YouTube, on his YouTube channel. So if you guys want to go over there and hear his shitty mic quality... You go over there and listen to Jesse review all in. So uh, I'll leave you guys a link in the uh, comment section down below. You go do what you got to do over on Jesse's channel. I'm going to do what I got to do here, man. Listen, I know a lot of people, I see a lot of chatter online about Mustafa Ali and news broke. I was actually going to get this video out earlier and I, and I did not. I wanted to wait. For the usual suspects to give us the story and whatever else is behind this decision of Ali today. Apparently, Mustafa Ali has requested his release from WWE. Fucking finally is all I have to say. And good for him, man. Good for him. Now, the story starts. We've seen the tweet from Ali today. Ali is the latest... WWE superstar to ask for his release. He made the announcement on Twitter this afternoon. His statement reads as follows. I have a message that is much bigger than my dreams in pro wrestling. Despite my best efforts, I will not be able to deliver this message while working with WWE. Therefore, I am requesting my release from World Wrestling Entertainment. In October, Dave Meltzer noted that WWE doesn't have long-term plans For Ali, even when Ali was with Mansoor in that makeshift tag team that they put those two guys together, there was no plans at all to push them on the main roster. He stated, here's the thing. They're not going to do anything with Ali, Meltzer said. That's been decided for years. So why is he even employed? That's what I want to know. Mansoor, they are going to do angles with twice a year leading up to Crown Jewel. And the rest of the time, he's going to just float around and do nothing. That's what they're going to do with Mansoor. End quote. Then the news started to come out, and we got this one from Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, and he put this on Fightful Select. Fightful notes that Ali has not been present at SmackDown since the Survivor Series. He asked for time off because of paternity leave, him and his wife were having another child. One source noted that they were surprised that he was not featured on the SmackDown show in Chicago in any capacity, as Chicago is Ali's hometown. Ali has been available for a return since the first week of December. A few weeks ago, Ali shared a vignette that was filmed for a quote-unquote New America gimmick which never came to fruition. According to those in the know, the character was initially accepted before those in power in WWE changed their mind. Fightful says that in its place, there was a pitch from Vince McMahon for something Mustafa Ali would have never done, which led to a heated argument between Ali and McMahon. Ali hasn't been backstage 
or on the show since then. A WWE higher-up told Feifel that they have granted release requests as of late as it would be difficult to justify not granting requests. They've released so many names over the past year. So one SmackDown wrestler, in addition to all these other quotes from Fightful, told Fightful that for someone who works on his craft as much as Ali does, not having anything for him or featuring him at all was seen as a punishment. Ali was well-liked within the WWE circle, within the WWE locker room, and numerous talents have mentioned to Fightful about their desire to work with him since he was initially called up to SmackDown, which was only supposed to be a one-off. Following all this news, I found something that Ringside News reported as an exclusive, and it has to do with releases. This is coming from Ringside News. It is an exclusive. They rarely get their exclusives wrong. They reported that WWE has limited open door for talent release requests. Now, Ringside News asked around. This is obviously following the Tony Storm asking for her release. From WWE, Ringside News asked around about WWE's open door for release requests. Ringside News was told that there is an open door until it's requested by someone that WWE does not want to release. End quote. So clearly, WWE, if they're not wanting to use Ali, it would seem to correlate here with this report from Ringside News that Ali asks for his release, and he will absolutely be granted his release, being that WWE has no plans to use him. They're still paying him. They will not feature him on a show that, by the way, desperately needs talent because the SmackDown roster has been absolutely slaughtered, not only from the draft that they did back in October, but with all of the injuries mounting up we have Ridge Holland out with a broken nose. Bailey is out. Sasha is out. Xavier Woods is out. How many more injuries are going to accumulate before you realize that your roster is fucking depleted and a two-hour show on Friday night will be absolutely impossible to book fresh every single week? When you have somebody like Ali who is ready to work, willing to work, creativity that's there that he wants to express to the fans of WWE, to the world of professional wrestling, and you're not using him? I look at that as a punishment. How do you have somebody like that on the fucking roster knowing that your roster is as bad as it's ever been right now and you're not using him? That's a punishment, folks. That is a punishment to Mustafa Ali. Ali, I don't know where he ends up. I want to go back in time. I want want to show you guys exactly how underutilized an undervalued Ali has been. 205 Live, you guys know the matches he's had with Buddy Matthews, a.k.a. Buddy Murphy in the WWE. That a great cruiserweight division that WWE absolutely never fully embraced. The cruiserweight division at the start was exciting. It was fresh. It was coming off one of the best productions that WWE ever did with the Cruiserweight Classic. They had something special that would give... Monday night or Friday night, a different feel. Those would be your workhorses. WWE never embraced it because Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon, they look down on the smaller guy. They're never going to be able to make money in their eyes off of guys like Ali 
Andrew Gulak, Tony Nice, and then you got Lindsay Dorado, Graham Metalik, you had Sin Cara in that division, Buddy Matthews, so on and so forth, Leo Rush, whatever the case may be. I don't know why they never embraced the Cruiserweight Championship. That could have been something that was floating back and forth between Raw and SmackDown on Monday and Friday night, and nobody would have batted an eyelash. That would have given the shows exactly what they needed, man. High energy, really just jump out of your chair, exciting stuff. They didn't embrace it. They didn't embrace it. Ali worked his fucking ass off. Tony Nese worked his fucking ass off. The, uh, the, the Lucha House Party worked their fucking ass off, man. Uh, Lindsay Dorado, Grand Metallic, Sin Cara when he was there. Uh, fuck, you name it, man. They all worked their ass off. Kalisto worked his ass off. WWE just never wanted to do anything with it. And in that time, Ali was churning out bangers. You remember the matches he's had with Buddy, Buddy Murphy? I, I mean, I don't need to go over this shit. Then the Cruiserweight division started to slowly die. Where we see it now, it's completely dead. It doesn't even exist anymore. We don't even have a championship anymore. But Ali got moved to the main roster. He teamed with, I believe it was AJ Styles in a match against Andrade and Brian Danielson, then Daniel Bryan. And Ali pinned Brian. Brian was also, I believe, he might have been at that point, a little bit on the creative end. Guys like Brian always were going to bat for someone like Ali. They were always going to bat for guys like Drew Gulak. Well, Brian was at least. Grand Metallic. You know, during the pandemic when Brian was more creative than anything, as far as a creative writing position, he was getting those guys on TV. And in this case, he wanted to work with Ali. He made it happen. Brian has a powerful voice when he was there, and they granted his request to work with Ali. Ali pinned Brian. That goes to show you the level of talent that Brian is, putting himself last and giving all of the praise and the opportunity to somebody like Mustafa Ali. Then it was the Elimination Chamber. That whole, that whole year where he was in the Royal Rumble, he lasted 30 minutes. He eliminated Nakamura and Samoa Joe. And then I believe in that Royal Rumble match that year, he was eliminated by Nia Jax. Less than 30 minutes, you're eliminated by a female in a men's match. I don't know about that, but 30 minutes and being eliminated by Nia Jax. I mean, you could see the writing on the wall in a situation like that. In February... Ali was scheduled to be in the Elimination Chamber. It was even rumored that Ali was supposed to be getting a championship match against Brian Danielson at WrestleMania that year. It was supposed to be his story. His underdog come from behind, baby face story to take down Daniel Bryan. He got hurt. Randy Orton crushed accidentally his orbital bone. Ali missed the Elimination Chamber. And then we had Kofi Mania. They put Kofi Kingston in that spot, and Kofi went on to beat Brian Danielson at WrestleMania. Great moment. Absolutely great moment. But an, a moment and an opportunity that was taken away from Mustafa Ali, and it wasn't his, his fault. And he was never given that opportunity again. Ever again. Then we know the Money in the Bank situation. 
He was about to win that money in the bank ladder match, grab the briefcase, maybe correct the wrongs that have happened in the past. Out comes Brock Lesnar. He's not even in the fucking match. Brock Lesnar absolutely demolishes Ali, grabs the briefcase, and he wins the money in the bank ladder match. He's not even in the fucking match. Wasn't even advertised to be on the show. Then you guys know about the retribution thing and the whole hacker thing. They tied the two storylines together. Retribution never took off. I don't know how WWE never booked Retribution to be a great stable, a great group of wrestlers with the amount of talent in that fucking stable, man. When you have Mia Yim and Ali and you have Shane Thorne and you have Dominic Dijakovic in a fucking stable together and you don't do anything with them, I I don't know how you could look at creative and praise anything that they fucking do. Yes, it it didn't make sense. I hated it from day one because WWE went on this thing where they put on television and they want you to what they want you to escape all the real life shit that's happening outside of the WWE bubble. And then here they are bringing a group of fucking terrorists onto their TV and they're making you or giving you a reminder of what's happening out there in the current climate. It was insensitive at the time. Mercedes Martinez was also a part of that. She knew and seen the writing on her wall if she stayed there. She didn't want any part of it. Rightfully so. But they never embraced it. They moved on. They gave them these fucking hockey masks. They gave them these ridiculous attires. It was almost as if they were a fucking metal act. People were correlating them to Slipknot or... Fucking Casey Jones from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was ridiculous. They never did anything with them. Ali was the voice of the group. Never embraced anything. It was pretty much a collection of jobbers, and WWE didn't know what to do with any of these these people, and they all put them together because that's what WWE thought of retribution. Yeah, we got these guys. We don't know how to use them individually. We refuse to use them individually. Let's put them together in a shit group that's never going to get over and that's already been fucking uh, dead on arrival. Yeah, let's try and do something with these guys. We'll, we'll collectively put these guys together in a group because they're all fucking losers. They're all jobbers. They were the modern-day job squad. They were the modern-day 3MB. WWE never did right by Ali. Never. SmackDown and their roster is depleted. No reason why Ali should be sitting at home. If you don't want to use him, then get rid of him. Get rid of him. So now he's asked for his release. Will he be granted it? I think so. I really think so. He will have a 90-day clause attached to his release, but he will be gone. Does he want to stay in professional wrestling? I don't know. I don't know. Working with WWE, a lot of people probably are disheartened about pro wrestling. And it takes them a little bit to get that toxic fucking poison out of their veins. They sit at home and contemplate what they've been through and how they fucking hate this this business and this sport working there. Yeah, you made the money, but money isn't everything. Some of these people value creative freedom more than the fucking money WWE probably has disenfranchised this guy to a point where he might not even want to wrestle right away. He's got so much to give the business if he wants to remain in the business. He's got so much creative freedom 
that he will be an asset wherever he goes. If Ali wants to be a part of a creative team for a promotion, I would give him the opportunity to do so because time and time and time and time and time again, this guy has reinvented himself and continued to fight against the machine with ideas that would have easily gotten him over. But WWE never embraced it. Why hasn't WWE embraced any of Ali's creative ideas? Because it's not on their itinerary of things to do. They're so stuck on who they're stuck on, and that's their downfall. That will be their downfall, not pushing a guy like Ali. They were probably afraid that one of these ideas he would have come up with would have been his, and he would have gotten over, not on WWE's watch. It would have been all Ali. WWE was never going to give Ali creative freedom because they want to micromanage and own everything. So whatever Ali had come up with, WWE would not be able to take the credit for making Ali. And when he got over, it would not be because of WWE and their ideas or Bruce's ideas, Vince's ideas. It would be all Ali. So if he got over with what he came up with on his own, WWE would look bad. They don't want that. They would never put themselves in a situation like that where they look bad. Ali is best away from this toxic, toxic environment. The guy is super fucking talented and underappreciated and undervalued that I'm not surprised at this point. I'm surprised it took this long, but I'm not surprised it's reached this point where he's now asking for his release. No matter where he goes, no matter what he does, I know this was probably a very difficult decision for him and his family to make. He will be paid up until the 90 days is no longer tied to WWE. Wherever he goes, I know me, my community, and many fans in the internet wrestling community, many fans across the globe, will be cheering for Ali to get back on his feet and do what he should have been already doing in WWE, and that is wowing us with his creativity and the in-ring ability that we know he possesses. So no matter where he goes, I myself, I'm speaking about me personally, I will be watching and waiting for him to show up somewhere, and I will be in his, in his corner, and I will be in support of him, whatever he does 100%. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Kyrie Sane. I got news on Kyrie Sane. Joining AEW is now more than just a possibility. It is now becoming more and more of a reality for Kyrie Sane. According to Fightful earlier this month, 
Rumors were claiming that Kyrie Sane's WWE contract was set to expire in February, but that actually omitted crucial specifics. Those reports left out some very detailed specifics. There is still a chance she will re-sign with the company. Probably not. Seeing what's going on there, I don't think she would want to go back there. But the majority of her co-workers believe that the contract will expire. According to the same sources, the optimism that Sane would re-sign that existed when she returned to Japan to serve as an ambassador is no longer present. Part of this is likely due to the cancellation of plans to build several WWE performance centers around the world, including in Japan. Kyrie has worked in Japan for a little over a year in the same job and has also provided some commentary for WWE. Fightful also mentioned that their sources were promised that Kyrie Sane will make her debut in all elite wrestling with quote-unquote little to no concern. One higher up in the company even went as far as to make a bold statement. That was so far off her radar at that point, it didn't seem like something we could we really needed to worry about, is what they said. Sane is not expected to sign a full-time deal with AEW, according to a follow-up conversation with the same higher up. They wouldn't be astonished if she did make an appearance in the company at some point. Sane had previously expressed interest in a working relationship with stardom and WWE while she was contracted to WWE. Clearly, that did not happen. WWE turned her down. If she remains interested once her WWE contract expires, she may stay in Japan and work part-time for AEW if travel restrictions relax. Stardom is apparently interested in bringing Sane back to the company, although no new conversations have been reported between the two two sides, so stay tuned for more updates as this story continues to break. The one line that stood out there to me is that Kyrie Sane is not expected to sign a full-time deal with AEW. Now, AEW has yet another tournament coming up called the Owen Hart Cup. I don't know how many men or women. There's going to be a men's tournament and a women's tournament. Both finals set to take place at double or nothing. I don't know how many field of competitors are going to be in these individual tournaments. Is it going to be eight? Is it going to be 16? How is Tony Khan going to go about presenting these matches and this tournament and these brackets on TV? If Tony Khan ups it to 16 and gives 16 men and women an opportunity to be the first inaugural Owen Hart Cup winner, I could absolutely see Kyrie Sane being in the Owen Hart Cup. And that would lend to the report here that she might not sign a full-time deal, but she may come in and do events like this. Or if they want her to be an integral part of a storyline and not really be there full-time, she could come in and do something with Britt Baker or, or do something with... Uh, Thunder Rosa, or do something with Jade Cargill, or or whatever the case may be. As long as there's a working relationship there. And and I'm sure Kenny Omega will absolutely facilitate that, because I'm sure Kenny Omega already has his eye on Kyrie Sane coming into AEW. And and with AEW this year, man, I'm telling you, I said this about the overall roster in year one, now look at where we are in year three. They do not look the same as when they started. This women's division is not going to look the same from when I'm speaking here right now in this moment up until the summer. This women's division is not going to even resemble what you remember it looking like previously. There are so many talented women out there that will eventually be picked up by AEW and their division will be easily the best in all of women's professional wrestling, at least here in the United States. Guaranteed. 
with Thunder Rosa being the AEW Women's Champion leading the charge for that division. This is only going to be a bonus if Kyrie Sane works with AEW in any capacity, whether it's part-time or full-time. I will keep you guys updated on that situation as we hear more about Kyrie and her contract expiring in less than a month. Two former WWE superstars are returning for the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. WWE is uh, loading up on former talent for this year's Royal Rumble. PW Insiders reporting that Melina and Cameron are booked to be surprises for this year's Royal Rumble match. Man, I can't wait to see Cameron back in WWE. Said absolutely not a single fucking soul. How many appearances did she make for AEW? One? Yeah. And rightfully so. She is fucking Eva Marie horrendous. This is what WWE is doing to load up their women's Royal Rumble. You only have yourself to blame, Bruce. You only have yourself to blame and your fucking management team of incompetent fucking fools. That would leave nine spots remaining. As previously noted, WWE doesn't want to bring in too many women from NXT this year for the Royal Rumble. So we could be seeing even more ex-talent coming in this year for this year's match. Melina was actually booked for the Rumble a couple years ago, but she had to pull out due to injury. Cameron wrestled the match for AEW in 2020 and has not returned in any capacity since then. She, though has expressed interest in returning to the WWE. Now, with Johnny Laurinaitis there, I wouldn't be surprised that she gets a job. Eve Marie got one. She was ultimately fired, and deservedly so. So I would not be surprised to see Cameron back in WWE when the time comes. So the Royal Rumble is shaping up like this. Obviously, you got the men's and women's Royal Rumble match. The women's Royal Rumble match may be the worst of all time in any Rumble capacity, both men and women. Awful. Roman Reigns versus Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. Becky Lynch versus Doudrop. Doudrop. That's for the Raw Women's Championship. And a mixed tag team match with Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Mike Mizanin and Maurice, his wife. Seems like the Royal Rumble is uh, pretty much 100% complete. I don't know what else we need to add to this show. The undercard really doesn't mean much of anything. And with an undercard, with Reigns and Rollins and Lesnar and Bobby Lashley, you really don't need to add anything else to the show. Concentrate on making the Rumble matches, not the women, because it's going to be fucking horrendous. The Royal Rumble men's match, as good as it could be. So that's your Rumble lineup and Cameron. (laughs) Oh, man. Jesus, I can't wait for that Funkadactyls reunion. Give me a fucking break, man. If you are excited about this, man, go, uh, I don't know, the sun isn't really as potent as it is in the wintertime. Go go touch grass or go feel the warmth of the sun in the fucking 10 degree New York City cold. You fucking geeks. My goodness, man. Reason why WWE announced surprises for the Women's Royal Rumble match in advance. Fightful Select is reporting that WWE started to reach out to talent earlier than usual. In recent years, legends would be asked about nine days before the show whether they would be interested. The wrestlers that were contacted were under the impression that their participation wouldn't be announced ahead of time. This is something that Summer Rae confirmed on Instagram last Saturday. 
The reasons for the surprise was being announced was done to help boost ticket sales and increase buzz for the show. It was added that there is plenty of room for more surprises and likely will be. The report stated that not everyone in WWE contacted has committed to the match, but WWE will have backup names in mind. I, I don't care. I don't give a shit who you bring in for surprises. It's going to be people from that other era that I genuinely don't even think or believe should be in a pro wrestling ring. You have NXT women. And this is what I talked about giving opportunity to different individuals. I'm not saying anybody from NXT needs to win the Royal Rumble. I'm not advocating for anybody from NXT to win the Royal Rumble. I barely want anybody to win the Royal Rumble on the main roster that they have currently available right now. All I'm saying is use your own resources. Put a Cora Jade in the Royal Rumble. Put a Raquel Gonzalez in the Royal Rumble. Put a Dakota Kai in the Royal Rumble. Put an Io Shirai in the Royal Rumble. Why are we not utilizing what we have on this roster right now in those women, giving them the opportunity, building the match around them, and giving Cora Jade a nice solid 20 minutes, or Raquel Gonzalez a nice 25 minutes with six eliminations? Why are we not going that route, but we're going to bring back fucking Cameron that nobody wants? Or Alicia Fox. <laughs> yeah, the legend. The legend Alicia Fox. Yeah, yeah, legend in what? I'll zipper my mouth shut on that one. Uh, listen, the WWE Women's Royal Rumble should be filled with main roster talent and NXT talent. That's it. You had an easy in. You get an easy in, you take Roy, you take SmackDown, you take some from NXT. I'm not saying that a leader can't be in the Royal Rumble, but you don't need to over-embellish the fact that you're bringing back 40-plus-year-old Mickey James, Michelle McCool, Stacey Keebler, Molly Holly, Trish Stratus. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit, man. Save one or two of those women for a fucking surprise. Now bringing back the whole crew... Give me a break, man. WWE clearly wants to amp up ticket sales, boost ticket sales. I don't think anybody's really coming to watch the Royal Rumble the way it is now. It, it's just the name. The name value in itself is Royal Rumble. Who doesn't like a good old-fashioned Royal Rumble? This Royal Rumble, though, this women's Royal Rumble is absolutely fucking pathetic, man. What a disgusting display that women's Royal Rumble is. WWE reportedly doesn't want to use NXT talent like I previously mentioned. Brian Alvarez discussed this about this year's Women's Royal Rumble. They don't want to use many names from NXT this year. Alvarez says, and I quote, I was told, and you know, when you're told something by WWE, you can report it, but what they're telling you yesterday is not the same thing as what actually happens often. At least he knows. But I was told that they didn't really want to use a lot of women from NXT. That's probably changed by now as they have 11 women Remaining. Now, nine with Melina and Cameron. <laughs> Cameron, man. Oh, my God. Jesus fucking Christ. Now they got nine spots remaining. So, on Raw, Doe Drop, Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, they competed. Obviously, Doe Drop won, so that leaves Bianca Belair and Liv Morgan. So, that nine goes to seven, theoretically, right? So they announced everybody that they announced. We may see a Bailey. We may see Alexa Bliss in the Rumble. That's five. Who knows what WWE's got planned? Maybe they will use one or two NXT talent. I don't know. Maybe they're forced to. 
depending on who backs out, who can't do it, who doesn't want to do it, who's committed but now is not committed. I don't know. I don't know. So we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe Reggie's in the, the Women's Royal Rumble. Hanging around with Dana Brooke, maybe he gets a fucking spot in the Women's Royal Rumble and uses that to his advantage to win the 24-7 title. I would not be surprised to see something idiotic like that happen. WWE is a fucking disaster. This Royal Rumble does not look exciting at all. At all. Outside of Reigns, Rollins, and Lesnar, Bobby Lashley. Impact Wrestling. The backstage reaction to Mickie James working with WWE in the Royal Rumble match. Fightful Select reported this week that the SmackDown script did have the surprise names on it, including Mickie James, but her name was preceded with a question mark and then Impact Knockouts Champion question mark. Obviously, the question mark there behind Impact Knockouts Champion was before the announcement, she was already booked in a match with Deanna Perrazzo at Hard to Kill, which she ended up beating Deanna Perrazzo in the main event of that show. So they weren't sure if she was going to walk in to the Royal Rumble as Impact Women's Champion. Now, I was under the impression that that was the reason why she was in the Royal Rumble, to help Impact in some way, to help give attention to Impact, and WWE gets to use another Women's Champion from another promotion in their Royal Rumble match. It would have made no sense to have Mickey James in the Royal Rumble when she's contracted to Impact Wrestling and not bring the Impact Women's Championship to the Royal Rumble. But now that's happening. I don't know if she's going to bring the championship to the Royal Rumble. I don't know if the championship's going to be on television. I, I don't know. But everybody's like, oh, forbidden door, forbidden door, forbidden door. There's no fucking forbidden door between Impact and WWE. There will never be a forbidden door between WWE and anybody. WWE doesn't allow anybody in their sandbox that don't play well with others. Why are you under the uh, assumption an impression that WWE is going to work with another promotion, right? Yeah, that's a MLW. They did MLW thir- dirty, right? MLW suing WWE. WWE plays well with others? Give me a break. Smicky James' appearance in the Royal Rumble match only hurts Mickey James. She looks like a sellout. She looks like a fucking idiot who didn't learn her lesson. Apology or no apology, Whoever apologized to who here, I would not give them the benefit of the doubt anymore after they sent your shit back in a fucking black trash bag and told you that women's wrestling doesn't sell. So much so that you had to go to NWA and do an all-women's pay-per-view to really empower women's professional wrestling. That WWE wasn't going to give you that, but now you're back. You're working for the same people that told you women's wrestling doesn't draw and women's wrestling is not important. But here you are. And here everybody is throwing fucking streamers and throwing balloons in the air, popping the champagne. Mickey James is coming back. Fuck you, Mickey James is coming back. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Like this is going to do anything for Impact Wrestling. Give me a fucking break. Are you serious? Impact barely did 100,000 viewers on Axis TV this past Thursday night. Fucking Zicky Dice held his own fucking wrestling show on Twitch that did 350,000 viewers this weekend. So Impact Wrestling, where, where, where are all the elitists now, huh? Zicky Dice puts on a fucking show and outdraws Impact four times over. I do more views in a single fucking week than Impact. Oh, give me a break. Impact is trash. 
So Impact was said to be happy with the buzz that came along with the announcement of James being part of the Women's Royal Rumble, especially considering James' headlines hard to kill just 24 hours after the announcement. You know, a lot of people were like, oh, well, uh, Pat McAfee mentioned it. Yeah, Pat McAfee mentioned it. He mentioned it on SmackDown. He mentioned Impact. He mentioned Mickey James being an Impact Women's World Champion. When we got the announcement on Monday Night Raw, there was no mention of Impact. There was no mention of Mickey James being the Impact Women's World Champion. Then I tweeted out and I got people in the community coming to me and they're fucking, oh, well, well, um, you know, Pat McAfee said it, but Pat McAfee says whatever he wants. Oh, 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 really? Really? Well, that didn't stop Impact's entire roster from tweeting it out. That didn't stop WWE's social media team from tweeting Mickey James from Impact. The Impact Women's Champion is coming to WWE to be in the Royal Rumble. Unless Pat McAfee's running the fucking social media site as well. Give me a break. There's no forbidden door. Back up your fucking statements with facts before you come and attack me, motherfucker. This is not a forbidden door. This is a door that I wish Mickey James wouldn't walk in, but she chose money and greed over self-worth and self-respect. Good for her. Good for her. Yeah, let's go back to the evil empire that told me women's wrestling is shit just to appear in the Royal Rumble for a nice black trash bag of $100 Benjamins. Give me a fucking break, man. Get this shit out of here. Women's Royal Rumble. Might as well fucking cancel the Women's Royal Rumble the way it's shaping up. Kofi Kingston. He wonders what other doors will be open following Mickey James' appearance in the Royal Rumble. Zero. There's no forbidden door. This is the same interview where he blasted WWE fans for complaining about Uso versus New Day matches every fucking week because that's exactly what we want, right? Now, the division is okay, right, Kingston? Right, Kofi? Your tag team division is fucking really, really, really healthy, right, right, Kofi? Yeah? Oh, what happened there? What happened? You see that fucking fatal four-way on SmackDown? How many of those teams are actually legit teams? Cesaro and Mansoor, they're a legit team. Jinder Mahal and Shanky, they're a legit team. Your division sucks, Okay? That's what we're upset with. The fact that you don't have a fucking division and the only teams on your fucking show are you and the Usos. We'd like new teams built up to be the same or at least equal to what you guys are doing. Rick Uchino's Pro Wrestling Podcast, he interviewed Kofi. This is the same interview that he mentioned the fans complaining about Uso and New Day matches. I love it, he says. The forbidden door is open. Oh my God, can we talk about this company? I'll be honest, I was really surprised at that because we as a company have not really opened that forbidden door like ever. First of all, you won't be opening any forbidden door. Forbidden door is trademarked by TK. And there will be no forbidden door opened up by anybody in WWE. There are other companies that have explored that, but it is really exciting. And then he goes on to talk about Mickey James. He says, and I quote, I was happy when I heard that. And I think a lot of fans were happy too. Not because of the intrigue. But because how many other doors are going to be open? Who else is going to be there? Like you never really have eyes on the Royal Rumble because I was thinking that we've done a great job in bringing people back from the past who have been with the WWE, but that's one of the main things of the Royal Rumble. One of the main levels of intrigue and excitement that the Royal Rumble brings, it gives you a whole new level because you really have no idea. It can literally be anybody from anywhere. 
coming in at any time. I'm really excited about the rumble, he says. There will be no forbidden door. Ever. Get it out of your fucking heads, you fucking low IQ ghouls on social media. There is no forbidden door. And if there is, it's going to benefit the other company. Give me a fucking break. These fan weather fans on social media, they like something one day and then they'll dump it the fucking next. Claiming something is wrong. So we got all of that out of the way. No more rumble talk. No more rumble talk. This is the big thing I want to talk about today. This is the big thing I want to talk about today, man. WWE takes a shot. I'm not talking about a shot of Jameson or a shot of Jaeger or a shot of fucking Terramana. I'm talking about WWE taking a shot at AEW with a statement issued to the Toronto Star about gory, self-mutilating matches within AEW. Oh, really? Really now? WWE's maintained that AEW is not considered... (laughs) Oh, Bruce, you're you're a funny guy, man. You're a funny guy, Vince. Listen, they don't consider AEW competition. But statements made about Tony Khan's company seem to indicate otherwise. So, so listen, Tony Khan and AEW are not competition, but that doesn't stop WWE from mentioning AEW and their supposed shortcomings, right? Oh, but JD, AEW mentions WWE all the time. Yeah, that's justified because WWE is putting out a shit product. AEW is not. So get with the program. Vince McMahon previously called AEW blood and guts. Because of the blood shown on their broadcast. In a recent statement sent to the Toronto Star, WWE categorized the December 31st women's tag team match on AEW Rampage as self-mutilation. Now, this match featured Penelope Ford and the Bunny versus Tainara Conti and Anna Jay. And this was the end of a long feud. The WWE statement reads as follows. If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women... In the December 31st event on TNT, it quickly became clear that these are very different businesses. Yes, one is Disney, one is Nickelodeon, and the other is professional fucking wrestling. When has Vince lost his balls? I'd love for somebody to go back to the moment where Vince lost his fucking balls. Guy is a complete fucking pussy. In his older age. And so is everybody on the fucking team fucking sucking his balls. So they complained about this women's match. If you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women, it's very different businesses. We had an edgier product in the Attitude Era. And in a 2022 world... We don't believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. End quote. WWE is previously accused of, or at least have been previously accused of trying to hurt AW standing with potential sponsors. When Rampage fast national numbers are first leaked, or were first leaked a, a, a couple of months ago, it was pointed out that they were only leaked when the numbers dropped and were more favorable to SmackDown. There are also allegations that WWE tried to get AEW in hot water 
with the Nick Gage Jericho match with the pizza cutter incident in July on AEW Dynamite. AEW key demo numbers are doing just as good as Monday Night Raw, and WWE has their backs against the wall, and they are worried. The executives at TNT TBS are said to be very happy with the AEW numbers. So far, there are no signs of their product being turned off or their sponsors dropping AEW or anything like that from TNT or TBS making changes to the overall feel of the show. Wow, Bruce. Wow, Vince. Wow. Nick Khan, man. Who was the one that gave this statement? I I wonder who, right? Who gave this statement? Clearly somebody saw the match. Clearly somebody is using the Cliff Notes version of AEW. They got that cheat sheet already. How can we we incorporate this into our show, Vince? You know? Clearly, they're watching the product. If they weren't competition, you wouldn't be watching. If they weren't competition, you wouldn't have any idea of what's going on here. You wouldn't know of this match and it even existing. But WWE talks about self-mutilation and gory content. Really now? Really, I I vividly remember Brock Lesnar in a match with Randy Orton at SummerSlam all those years ago in the main event. Wasn't Brock Lesnar sent out there to self-mutilate? Randy Orton, didn't he make him bleed hard way by using UFC-style elbows to the skull? Possible concussion. The lasting image of fucking Lesnar raining down elbows on Randy Orton and blood just seeping down Randy Orton's face, right? That's not self-mutilation. Where'd that happen? Was it WWE or was it fucking MLW? Where did I see that? Was it some random indie promotion? No, it was at Summer Scam. Okay, that's just one example. Are you the same fucking people? How lame it is, is inconsequential. How fake it looked is completely inconsequential. Weren't these the same group of people that took Seth Rollins into a feud with Rey Mysterio and had him rip his eyeball out? As far as I remember, I seen something fall out of Rey Mysterio's fucking eye patch. What was it? What was it, a roll of quarters? Did they go to uh, fucking uh, the arcade afterwards? Did they go to Dave and Buster's afterwards? Huh? What fell out of his eye patch? An eyeball. You made a storyline specific around Seth Rollins gouging people's eyeballs out of their skull. Was this the same promotion? Eye for an eye match, right? What promotion was that? Was WWE. So that's not self-mutilation. That's not gory content, Vince. How about you guys setting Bray Wyatt on fucking fire on live television? That's not self-mutilation. That's not gory. What about the Becky Lynch situation, huh? Twice with Becky Lynch. Weren't you the same fucking people that glorified Becky Lynch having her nose busted open? Live on television, live on Monday Night Raw, where she stood proudly in the crowd and you seen blood dripping down her face as clearly she was fucking injured. You self-glorified that, right? That's what made Becky Lynch. But apparently that's deemed okay by WWE's standards. 
Or what about the Becky Lynch situation where Shayna Baszler came from nowhere and wanted to be a werewolf, biting Becky Lynch's neck, or a vampire, whatever correlation you want to make, biting Becky Lynch's neck. And the lasting image of Shayna Baszler looking like she's out of a fucking cutscene in Castlevania. Give me a fucking break with your hypocritical fucking bullshit. If this showed you anything, it's WWE's hypocrisy. It's WWE's pettiness. WWE clearly, clearly wants you to think that AEW is not competition. Every single instance when something like this is reported and written down on some fucking newspaper or in some lame dirt sheet, it shows that WWE is nervous. They're sitting in the corner all fucking shaking, right? They're all fucking shaking. They don't know how to how to act. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to stop the momentum of AEW. If it shows anything, it's WWE is scared. Those Monday Night Raw demos aren't looking too good right now, Bruce. What happened? What happened? AEW's demos are looking good. They've been consistent. They've been consistent. You're never going to make the fucking ghouls and the geeks and all these other fucking idiots in the community happy. They want a war. They have nothing going on in their lives. They want to compare ratings and demos and this and that. Oh, Raw did this. Or AEW did that. They're not better than Raw. They're not better than SmackDown. They can't even beat... NXT, Rampage can't even beat NXT. They're all complaining about the ratings. Do you people have fucking lives outside the internet? Do you have a favorite place, a favorite pub to go to, favorite bar to go to where you sit down and fucking not think about AEW demos or Raw demos? Do you have a bartender that knows you that you order a drink, they know before you even sit down what you're going to drink? Go there. Get out. Go have a life. Go do something. This shows WWE is weak. I love it. And all these instances, they're fairly recent instances. So yeah, blood and guts, mutilation, gory. Oh, I'm sorry. How many, how many matches do we see something like that happen in AEW? What is it, once every six months? Once every six months? It's not like this gore and self-mutilation on TV every fucking week. Yes, I get it. I get it. You're Disney. You're, you're Disney. You're Nickelodeon. You don't use the blood. You use it sparingly. You use it when it's when it's necessary. I get it. And I'm in agreement with you. But don't come at AEW for what you think are their shortcomings without acknowledging your own. WWE has the worst creative product in the history of their entire business. Right now. Monday Night Raw sucks. It's the worst wrestling show in the industry and has been for over a decade. SmackDown is just as bad. It may actually be worse than Monday Night Raw right now. You fucking people need to keep that same fucking energy. WWE needs to keep that same energy. For all the fucking complaints that I hear from WWE about self-mutilation and gore, you should take a look at your own fucking problem. Let's not ignore the fact that WWE is the worst pro wrestling show, and I use that term loosely, on television right now. I feel dumber every time I watch it. Give me a break. WWE is weak. This is a weak response. This is a response from a company that's scared is what I feel.
Make your show better before you start listening to the problems of another fucking company. Fucking bullshit with this goddamn nonsense. NXT. We're going to end with this. NXT Men's Dusty Classic has been announced. On Saturday morning, the company confirmed all the teams that will be competing in the upcoming tournament. MSK. Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs. Smoking Guns 2.0. Jacket time. (laughs) Jacket time. Can't wait for Kushida to be on the list of cuts next. Malik Blade and Edris Enofe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. He looks good. He looks good. The grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson and James Drake. Andre Chase and Bodie Howard. Legado Del Fantasma. This is Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza. And the Creed brothers, Julius and Brutus Creed. This may be the weakest Dusty Classic that we've seen so far in NXT history. On Tuesday's episode of NXT, Blade and Anofe defeated Joe Gacy and Harlan to qualify for the tournament. The men's tournament begins next week, while the women the women's tournament will begin in February. I actually like that. I'll be here to cover it on Tuesday, but I actually like that the women's tournament is going to finish after the men's tournament. I like it. Good job there. Whoever came up with that, which I'm assuming it's not Bruce, it will uh, it will serve the show better instead of having both tournaments happen at the same time. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I hope you enjoyed today's extra. Lot to unpack. Wanted to make sure I rounded out your weeks the right way. Make sure you guys follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. 1,000 likes minimum on today's Off the Script Extra. And make sure you guys go check Jesse out tonight live all in. He will be doing a retro review of All In from Chicago all those years ago live on his YouTube channel. That will be linked in the comments section down below if you guys want to join him and have a cold beverage later on tonight with my partner on Wednesday nights during AEW Dynamite and the post show, Jesse. And I will be back tomorrow with Monday Night Raw and we will have some great discussion moving on into the week, man. Lots of stuff coming up and I'll be here to cover it all for you right here on OTS. Have a great Sunday, guys. Whether you are a 49ers fan or a Cowboys fan, I don't know, man, but I'll be tuning in to see what's going on there. I got a lot of Cowboy friends, fans of the Cowboys, so uh, we will see what happens there. But good luck to both of you guys. That's the big game today. I'll be tuning in to see what's going on there with a nice cold beverage. Have a great Sunday, and I'll see you right back here on Monday Night Raw live on Off the Script. See you guys later.